Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to Matthew chapter 2. We are beginning a look at this uh, great chapter of how Jesus arrived in the world, the story of Jesus arriving in the world and how that story changes my life. The story of Jesus changes the story of my life, and we're going to see that all the way through the Gospel of Matthew as we look through it. Last week, we looked at how God is working in every circumstance as we looked at the genealogy of leading up to Jesus. And we began to learn from the obedience of Joseph. We're going to learn some more about Joseph later this week, but at the beginning of this week, we begin to look at the story of some wise men. Some wise men who teach us how you and I can get to a place of real worship. One of the most important questions of life is how do I get from where I am to where I want to be? I don't know, maybe you've pulled into a gas station to ask for directions, and they sent you in the wrong direction. This is why men don't stop, by the way, because sometimes we we get sent in the wrong direction. Although I will say, these men, we're going to look at these guys that went and found Jesus, they did stop, and they did ask for directions. We're going to see. Maybe that's why we call them wise men. So you can think about that either way that you want. But the point is, it's important to ask someone who knows the way. Just asking for directions isn't enough. You have to ask someone who knows the way. If you think of life as this big map, where you are, that big dot where you are, that's the busyness and the messiness and the routine of life, and that's where the you are here arrow points. And for many of us, we think that somewhere over there is some kind of genuine, real, life-changing worship of God. Well, how do you get there? How do you get to that kind of place in your life? How do you bring that to where you are? Well, here are some men, some wise men who knew about worship, and they can teach us to find the way. Just like they found their way to Jesus, they can teach us to find the way to worship. How do you move from where you are to genuine worship? And if you've been working on this in your life, you know you don't do this just once. This is something that you have to do, in essence, every day of your life. Get to a place again and again and again of genuine worship. How do you get there? What's real worship like? We're going to learn from them these first three days of this week. First thing you do, we learn from them, is you start with a sincere desire. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. So they walked from the east. That indicates more than just curiosity or intellectual interest. There is a deep desire, a deep hunger to know more about Jesus, the king that was being born that's represented here. It might sound too simple to say it, but the truth is, if you don't want to worship, you're not going to worship. You won't worship. But when you see yourself sometimes somehow beginning to expect to worship, then you will see worship happening in your life. Sometimes I know people who expect worship to happen without seeking for it to happen, without giving their desire to it. An attitude of worship is not going to barge in the front door of your life. You have to desire it enough to go to his door. Now, where does that desire come from? Well, for these wise men, they they heard a message that they believed. They heard a message they believed they could trust. And out of that message, they had this desire to worship. For them, the message was a star. God used a star. What's God going to use in your life? What are the thoughts or truths or circumstances in your life that create a sincere desire to worship God. Once you recognize that, then you build on that. That's how you get to a place of worship in your life. You build on those moments of sincere desire. 
Now, we've talked about these magi, these wise men. Before we go on, who are these guys anyway? Truth is, we don't know a lot about them. It's easier to list what we don't know about them than what we do. We don't know how many there were even. Tradition says there were three because there were three gifts, but there may have been more. And the entourage that went was certainly larger than just three people. We don't know their names. Tradition says that their names were Caspar, Malchior, and Balthazar, but that's just tradition. We don't know the real names of these wise men. We don't know exactly where they came from other than that they came from the east. We don't know exactly when they arrived to see Jesus. It was somewhere before he was two years old, if you plot this out, but we don't know exactly when they arrived to see Jesus. The word magi that we just read, we get our word magic from it, but they weren't magicians. They were, in that day, people who combined a knowledge of science and agriculture and mathematics and history and astronomy and religion. They were often political advisors. These magi were men in history that we find of great power, of great influence. So what we do know is that these men of power and influence desired to come and find a new king. And out of that sincere desire, they grew a heart of worship. These men of power and influence can show us the way to worship. And it begins with this sincere desire. Along with a sincere desire comes a second thing. Then you develop an expectant spirit. In verse 2, in fact, let me read verse 2 down to verse 8. In verse 2, they asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard that this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he'd called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. But we know that Herod didn't want to go and worship him, that instead he wanted to destroy him. We'll get to that later. Let's focus on the wise men for just a minute. This expectant spirit that they had. Where is the one who's been born? There was no if. Where is he? They expected him to be there. They were sure that he was there. They came, they made this whole journey in expectation, in faith of meeting the king. Why travel all that way if they didn't expect to meet him? So with worship goes expectation. The truth is, do you expect to meet God? Let's just start with church. I mean, why take all the trouble to get up, get ready, get in the car, go all the way to church if you don't expect to meet God? But many times we just sort of show up without any expectation when just a few minutes of working on our spirit, of working it in our hearts and saying, you know, I'm going. We're going to be singing songs about God, hearing messages about God. I expect God to say something to me. I expect God to do something in my heart. Just those few minutes can make all the difference in the world. You expect to meet God at church. You should also expect to meet him everywhere else. The truth of the matter is, God is everywhere. So every moment of every day can be a part of our worship. Do you expect him to meet you, to be with you, to love you, to work through you in every circumstance of life? That's what worship is all about. Now, when it comes to expectation, there's a marked difference between these wise men and Herod and even the religious leaders in that day. The Magi 
they had an expectant spirit. Herod, he had a resistant spirit. He was pushing back against any other king, any other influence, any other lord in his life. But then I want you to notice the religious leaders. They had an indifferent spirit. They have someone ask them, say to them, there's been a new Messiah that's born. They say, this is where he's to be born. But did you notice none of them went to find out? None of them asked, can we go also? They were indifferent. They had a bunch of facts and figures that they could share, but their heart wasn't in it anymore. That can happen to us in worship. And when that happens, we lose out on what real worship is all about. So if I want to have genuine worship in my life, I have to be like the Magi. I have to have an expectant heart. An expectant heart towards God often turns the question marks in my life into exclamation points in my life. The things where I'm not sure what to think or what to do. When I expect God to show up at that place, he shows me. And then all of a sudden, there is the exclamation point of worship in my life. So let's take a moment just now to expect God to be at work. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we're surrounded by so many things that can cause us to have an apathetic heart or an angry heart or an indifferent heart. The circumstances around us, the people that speak to us, sometimes messages that are hard hard to hear because of the negativity in them. Lord, help us instead of listening to those things to expect that you will show up. Out of our sincere desire to worship you, help us to expect you to show up to say something to us, to do something in our hearts when we worship you in church, but also when we worship you through the day. And Lord, when you speak, help us to realize it's you because it's the voice of love, of compassion, of grace, of power. Lord, even today, we expect you to work. Even today, we expect you to show up. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Join us tomorrow. We're going to learn two more truths from these wise men about what worship, real worship, is all about. <laughs>